You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Our minds are racing all of the time. Generally speaking, we're actually not aware that our minds are racing all of the time because the racing thoughts that spin through our head at a rate of 70,000 thoughts a day are often only given our subconscious attention. It's only from time to time that we give things our conscious attention. And when we do, we come to the conclusion, as many people who have been in touch with me by email or on comment sections on Facebook Live or something like that have said to me, I suffer terribly from overthinking. That's normal. That is how we are. Thinking around in circles and around in loops. Ruminative thinking. We all know that ruminative thinking leads ultimately to depression. We are designed to think because thinking enables us use the resident thoughts in our own head to make it through the day. That is our most fundamental goal, the goal of survival. It's no use to you if you want to grow your business. It's no use to you if you want to get a new job. It's no use to you if you want to lose weight. It's no use to you if you want to get fit. These are goals over and above and beyond the goal of survival. And they require something other than thinking. They actually require doing rather than thinking. What we need to be as human beings is calm, clear, focused, present, aware. And ultimately, if we are all of those things, we end up, as human beings, being. We need to turn up to our own lives in the here and now. When we don't turn up to our own lives, we miss them. We miss them completely. Our lives are lived moment to moment to moment. And any moment lost in thought is a moment lost. A quick look through my emails of the last week or two. And I see the product of thought. Just a simple comment actually on my Facebook Live yesterday. Somebody said, I'm fed up. And I got a couple of emails afterwards saying, given that we were talking about bereavement, which we were at the time, it was a little silly to say something like, oh, I'm fed up. But lots of people are fed up. They're fed up of their work. They're fed up of their lives. They're fed up of themselves. But actually, none of those things is real. They're fed up because of what they think about their work. They're fed up because of what they think about their lives. And they're fed up with themselves because of what they think about themselves. I regularly hear about people being bored. Oh, I'm bored with this, I'm bored with that. I'm bored with having to stay at home. But there's no such thing as boredom. <laughs> boredom 
is a string of thoughts, daisy-chained together, ruminated upon, wallowed in, and almost enjoyed. Boredom doesn't exist. Again, I hear people telling me that they are lonely. Loneliness doesn't exist either. You might be isolated, you might be alone, but it's up to you whether you choose to wallow in it and be lonely. An awful lot of people are overweight. Obesity is one of the biggest medical challenges of the 21st century. And I'm going to say something that some people will take me to task on now, but one's weight is normally the product of thinking. Overweight children are overweight because their parents are overweight. In the same way as cognitive psychology has shown us that a male walks with the same characteristics and gait as his father did before him, and a female walks with the same characteristics and gait as her mother did before her. We are ultimately animals and our brains operate very very simply. Monkey see, monkey do. So if I see my parents walking in a particular way, that is how I walk. The mechanics of it are very simple. I take a psychological snapshot of it because it is impressive to me when I'm crawling around on my belly on the floor. And that is the program that I use to enable me walk. I'm born with the predisposition, pre-wired I suppose, to enable me walk on two feet, but I have to learn it. And I learn it by taking a psychological snapshot. We learn to be overweight by taking psychological snapshots of those around us with perhaps inappropriate eating habits. But that's only the start of it. That's only the first aspect of our thoughts leading to obesity. People in later life kind of own their obesity. And they would be offended if somebody said to them, you know, your, your thoughts are actually what are making you overweight. I am currently talking to one particular lady who has lost an enormous amount of weight as a result of changing how she thinks. Indeed, I have many clients who have lost quite a lot of weight by changing how they think. I, I had a conversation with a client a couple of years ago. Uh, only on the phone, never met this lady, never actually saw her. But the very first thing she said to me before our series of six conversations got going at all was, I'm obese. And she said, I need to lose about four stone. So we talked for an hour and a half, and at the end of the conversation, our first conversation, just before we hung up, she said, you never once mentioned weight in that conversation. I said, that's right. If you start thinking about your weight, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about being overweight in the same way as somebody trying to give up cigarettes is trying to give up cigarettes. So they're constantly thinking about cigarettes. They need to change the way they think. I spoke to the same girl two weeks later and she said, I don't know what you did to me during the course of our first conversation. The weight is falling off me. She said, I had to drive from the middle of England to Edinburgh 
to visit my son who is in university. And normally when I do a round trip like that, I stock up on my Mars bars and Snickers and M&Ms and I put them on the passenger seat of the car beside me and by the time I get back the passenger seat is a rubbish tip. She said I drove to Edinburgh, I drove back and as I arrived in the driveway of my house I looked at the passenger seat of the car and realised that I'd forgotten to buy any treats for myself. She had changed the way she thinks. Everything changes when you change the way you think. You'll never be fed up when you're calm and present and focused. You'll never be bored. You'll never be lonely. And you'll be able to deal with any of the challenges that you have in your life in a fashion unlike anything the normal mind could ever do. But ultimately that's only the beginning. Because when we clear our minds, when we come into the present moment, we begin to experience a kind of calm that enables me begin to become acquainted with who I really am, the person beyond my thoughts. Or should I say, the person beneath my thoughts the person within, the unlimited inner potential that you and I are. We're children of the universe. We're an integral part of the universe. My super strings of energy, your super strings of energy, are all joined together in a merry dance of universal energy. And Mary is what we really need to have in our lives, isn't it? Would you like happiness in your life? Would you like to replace boredom and being fed up and being lonely with happiness? Would you like to stop being anxious or stop worrying or stop overthinking, as I said right at the beginning of today's podcast? Because you can't say stop to any of those things. You need to come at it from the other direction and start by paying attention to something other than your own thoughts. Now, as I said right at the beginning of this conversation today, generally speaking, we're not aware of the thoughts that enable us to make it through the day. The thought that enables you put one foot in front of another. And I'm using the word thought there because it is one of the 70,000 thoughts because it comes from us looking at our psychological snapshots that enable us to make it through the day. We discussed a minute ago how we took that psychological snapshot that enables us walk. But we walk by looking at a photograph of somebody doing something in an age long gone. We dress ourselves in the same way. We brush our teeth in the same way. And in those little habits of everyday life, we lose ourselves because we sink into an automated way of allowing thoughts of times long past dictate how we see today, how we see ourselves today, how we react to what we think is going on today, how we behave ourselves today, how we misbehave ourselves today, and we lose ourselves as a result. 
there is a silver bullet to change all that. The silver bullet is meditation. Pure and simple. There's no point in complicating it. The only challenge with this particular silver bullet is you have to keep shooting yourself with it. You have to do it every morning and you have to stop and remind yourself a number of times during the course of the day. Let me explain the every morning thing. I have a client, a good friend of many years, who when I met him first dipped his toe in and out of meditation and it took me quite a while quite a number of encouraging conversations with him to get him to the point where he started meditating daily. And he was moving along beautifully and he was becoming clearer and more focused. And in the job in which he worked in a production site, which was basically chaos, 24 hours a day, three shifts, he was the center of calm. He brought calm to everything. But in one conversation with him, it emerged that things weren't as they should be at home. And I asked him what his approach was to the weekend in particular, because those are obviously the days in which you spend most time with people at home. He said, oh, I don't meditate on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> it emerged that he thought and there we are, a useless thought, he thought that meditation was a tool for work. No, meditation is a tool for life. Again, it took me quite a number of encouraging conversations with him to get to the point where he started meditating on Saturdays and Sundays. And after a few weeks, got into the routine of meditating each morning, seven mornings a week. It has completely and utterly changed his relationship with his wife, with his children, completely changed his life. I was talking to somebody else a couple of days ago and she said to me, Saturdays are my bad days. She said, I kind of get to the point on a Friday evening after a week's work where I'm exhausted and then I wallow on Saturdays and I pick myself up on Sundays. I said, you're wasting one of the most important days of the week and it's most important because you have no work to do. You have none of the noise created by the normal crazy people that you encounter at work. I said, and you know, you don't need to spend a day wallowing. You could spend an hour wallowing or five minutes wallowing or if you were really in charge of your own state of mind, you'd spend about five seconds wallowing before you pull yourself together. The conversation moved on and just before we finished our hour-long uh, Zoom, I said to her, by the way, I have these conversations with you on the assumption that you're meditating every morning. She said, oh yeah, I'm meditating every morning. I said, seven days a week? She said, oh no, I give myself a day off on Saturdays. And then the penny dropped. We need to meditate every day because our lives are lived moment to moment. Why would you miss any of those moments? And why would you miss a whole day of moments? Because all kinds of things could be happening for you. All kinds of things are happening for you, moment to moment, day to day. You'll miss them 
if you're not there. They'll simply pass you by. Possibly the opportunities of a lifetime will miss you if they pass you by. I recollect a conversation with a client many, many years ago who had a very important meeting. He worked for himself. Very important meeting. He was coming out in the morning, got into his car to go off into town, and the car wouldn't start. Try as he may, the car wouldn't start. So he leaped from the car. It was pouring rain. Had to go back inside, dress himself in a completely different way, and run for the bus. Was he stressed? Was he angry? Was he annoyed? No, this guy was in charge of his state of mind. He stood at the bus stop, and stood at the bus stop, and stood at the bus stop. He was late for his meeting. Was he annoyed? Was he anxious? Was he angry? No, he was completely present because he was in charge of his state of mind. The person next to him was angry, so he started talking to her. And he said, you need, you need to calm yourself down. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about the weather. There's nothing we can do about when the bus will arrive. And they got talking to each other. And by the end of the conversation, by the time the bus had arrived, she had introduced him to a completely new client who would become one of the most important clients for his business. If he had turned up at the bus stop angry, there would be two angry people standing at the bus stop who wouldn't talk to each other, and nothing would have transpired as a result. The opportunity was already there. The person he was standing beside in the queue was, from a business point of view, the next most important stranger in his life. Why would you miss that opportunity? By having missed what's going on in the moment, because you missed the morning routine of ensuring that you started the day in the right state of mind. Free of the thoughts that make us anxious, angry, worried, annoyed, frustrated, bored, fed up, lonely. All of these things are constructs of your thinking. None of these things exists. What does exist is the wonderful reality of the here and now, in which all good things are actually happening. All good things are freely available to you. All you've got to do is turn up. Now, obviously there's a little more to it than that, because you have to turn up with intention. You have to know why you've turned up to the here and now. My friend at the bus stop had turned up to that moment with the intention of getting to his meeting, conducting his meeting properly, getting what he wanted out of that meeting, in the context of getting what he wanted from a business point of view this month or this quarter, in the context of where he wanted his business to go, in the context of what he wants his life to be like. He turned up with intention. An awful lot of people, when I meet them first, think that mindfulness is the solution to all their problems. I just need to be present and focused. I just need to turn up to the here and now. Meditation, of course, is the practice of mindfulness. 
but it is a practice to enable you do something with it. Mindfulness on its own won't get you anywhere in life. Mindfulness will not put bread on the table. Mindfulness will not enable you reconstruct an imperfect relationship. Mindfulness will not allow you lose weight or get fit. What allows you lose weight, get fit, or have a better relationship or career or life is purposeful mindfulness, intentional mindfulness, turning up to the present moment with an intention in mind. Now there's a good chance that if you got out of bed this morning, forgot to meditate, or didn't bother to meditate, or said to yourself, ah, I'll meditate later, or I'll do that tomorrow, there's a good chance that you're listening to this on automatic pilot. And that means there is a very good chance that you only have one intention in mind. And that intention is the basic intention that every human being walking this planet has in mind. I'm going to survive today. I'm going to make it safely home to bed this evening. That's not good enough. It'll enable you to make it through the day. But if you add up that intention with the fact that you haven't turned up that's all you're doing and i don't call that living that's existing if you want to live if you want to be fitter healthier slimmer lighter more successful have a better business career job nicer retirement if you want to have merriment and happiness in your life, then you have to turn up to the here and now with those intentions in mind. You don't have to turn up to the here and now with the intention that this is what I need to do today to lose weight. Think about my friend driving to and from Edinburgh. She wasn't thinking about her weight at all. What she was actually thinking about it transpired because we had actually discussed it in our first conversation and she never noticed it. It wasn't a conversation about weight, it was a conversation about her turning up to her son's graduation in a beautiful dress. That's the intention she had in mind when she forgot to buy her M&Ms, Snickers and Mars bars. Our intentions for them to work properly need to be intentions of how we want things to be how we would love things to be or how things could be their best in other words as i said earlier on when you turn up to the here and now as a human being you be that is what we need to be we simply need to be sounds like a tongue twister. I'm tying myself in knots. I'm not. I'm simply saying we need to be present. We need to be present and know why we are. That why on the one hand can be huge. In other words, why am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? But let's keep it simple. That why can be awfully operational and everyday as well. Why am I here? I'm here because I'm doing an interview and I want to get this job. I'm here because I am making dinner for the evening for the guests 
and I want us to have a lovely evening. I am here because I'm actually playing tennis because I want to enjoy myself. Maybe I want to win as well. I am here doing the shopping, simply to do the shopping. These are awfully mundane examples I'm giving you, aren't they? Or are they? Because the joy and happiness of life is to be experienced in doing the shopping to do the shopping, in making the dinner to make the dinner, in actually playing tennis for the joy of playing tennis, in giving it your all when you go to an interview or a client presentation, or giving us your all when you sit down with your guests to dinner in the evening, and in particular, giving it your all when you sit down or spend time with your nearest and dearest and those you love. It all starts, of course, with realizing that you love yourself. And all it takes to realize that is to change how you think in the manner in which we've been talking about it. Sit down every morning. It only takes six or seven or eight minutes. Sit down, close your eyes, meditate. And during the course of the day, remind yourself to take a couple of deep breaths and revel in the happiness and the joy of breathing in the universe in that moment. This grows on you. And I mean this actually physically grows on you because your brain physically grows as a result of this mental training, this activity. Let it grow on you one day at a time and see where it takes you. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called to succeed, just let go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.